lives in me. And you shall get all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. We got a few people that did not um, do the skit. We're going to let them come up, and then we're going to go on um, with the teaching. morning church we've been teaching on membership and I just wanted to go over that a little bit more because I've been noticing we've been having a lot of people in and out of the church and just want to teach you all you know what membership is and just being a part of the church and first of all knowing that we are the church and church goes outside of these four walls this is just a building and the local church that's where we are in Burgard, North Carolina, just like this is Miracle Temple Deliverance Ministries, NC. That is identified so people know where we are as a building. The Universal Church, that's once you're born again, you are part of God's body. We're all one. If you go in Texas to a church, then once you're saved, you can go to that church. But you have to, once you join, that means you are like glue, cemented to that church. It's like a divorce. It's like a marriage. You cannot just divorce that church. You're committed. You're obligated. You're dedicated to that church. You cannot leave just because you're upset, because you disagree with something. You have to go to your pastor, to your brother, your sister, and let them know what the problem is. Church is a relationship. And so I just want to let you all know that we love you all here. And if you want to be a member, just to you know, let us know. And is there anyone that would like to be a member today? Yes, I would. Come on up. Sister Denise. Do you know what being a member of a church is? First of all, let me back up. Are you a member of a church? Not at the time. Good. And you want to become a miracle, miracle temple deliverance ministry? Why? Well, I heard so much about the church. Uh, a friend of mine <clears throat> that uh, comes to this church was telling me that it was a good church for me to join. I just moved down, so I don't really uh, have a church down here. So I said, you know, why not, you know, give it a try. Okay. To be a member of this church, you have to be born again. Are you born again? Um, I don't, I'm not really sure. Well, I'm going to give you, do you believe that Jesus died on the cross for your past, present, and future sins? Yes, I do. I believe that. Do you believe that he rose on the third day? Yes, I do. Well, you are saved. By Romans 9, 10, and 9, you are saved. Saved is not, it's not emotionalized. It's not a feeling. You just got to believe in your heart that, you are saved, that you are connected to the 
vine. The vine is Jesus and we are the branches and you are connected to it. Do you believe that today? Well, I've never really heard, heard it like that. So you saying that all I got to do is just believe that Jesus is who he says he is? That's it. Believe that he died on the cross for all of my sins? Amen. Confess that with my mouth. Yes. And I got to believe it in my heart. Right. And I'm saved. And you're saved. But why don't, I don't feel like I'm saved though. I mean, if I just do that, shouldn't I get a, a feeling or something like that? Being saved is not a feeling. It's a day-to-day walk. So, and how you grow, you grow in the word. You get in the word daily and come to a Bible teaching church, which you're trying to do right now. That's the first step of becoming a member of Miracle Temple Deliverance Ministry. The second step is, have you ever been water baptized? Have you ever been baptized? What's that? It's something, it's a symbolic that connects you with Jesus where you go down up under the water and come up as a new creature in Christ that you've been, you died with him and you rose with him. That's, it's just something symbolic that connects you with God. Okay. I am so glad that I came here tonight because I've never heard this before. Then one more thing. Have you ever been in, have you ever been speaking in tongues? That's being, that's being baptized. The power of God comes upon you. And the evidence of speaking in tongues, you begin to speak in tongues. You begin when his power fall upon you. So these are the three things that you have to do to be a member of Miracle Temple Church. First, you have to be saved. Then you have to go up under the water, which is symbolically, which is water baptism. And then the third thing, you must be filled with the power of the Holy Ghost with evidence speaking in tongues. Do you still want to be a member of Miracle Temple Deliverance Ministry? Yeah, sure, definitely, definitely. And also, when you become a member of Miracle Temple Deliverance Ministry, or any ministry, it depends on the way they're taught, but here I'm just going to stick with Miracle Temple Deliverance Ministry. You have to, there are people that you have to be accountable to. Number one, you have to be accountable to God and to whoever he put shepherd over you. And then we have to be accountable to one another, the brothers and sisters that you have in the church. When you get saved and all that, you become a new creature in Christ. And you will... Let me, let me just stop right there a minute. Okay, I understand being accountable to the pastor of the church. Mm-hmm. But you're saying the brothers and sisters in the church, I got to be accountable to them? I mean, yes, because we are accountable to one another. We have one another. We help our brother and sister in Christ. As we see them falling, we don't supposed to talk about them. We're supposed to pray for them and lift them up and give them, help them get where they need to be. Okay. So if I go out of town or something, I need to let some of my brothers and sisters out here know where I'm going or something like that? Yes, you do. Especially if you want someone's team, or if you a leader or a co-leader, or you want someone's team, or even being a member of the church. You want to let somebody know why you're not in church, why you're not in Bible study, why you're not at a leadership meeting if you in leadership. And if you sing on Judah, the choir, you need to let your leader know it, why you cannot be there that Sunday. Or if we going off somewhere to sing, why you can't come. That's being held accountable. Sound like to me that you were saying that pretty much I need to um, just the things that I really like doing just give up the 
of things that I like to do, you know, and almost like dying to yourself or something like that. Right. You in the world, but you're not of the world. We don't do worldly things. Now, this is not going to happen overnight. It's a progress. The more you grow in him and get a relationship with God, them old things will pass away. You won't want to do those type of things anymore. Only thing you want to do is the things that glorify him, that gives him glory and gives him honor. Those are the things that you want to do. Then you also have to be submissive. First, you have to be submissive to God. Then to whoever God put over you. And we be submissive to one another. We die to one another. And sometimes we have to die. Even though we're right, we die and be wrong. Because God will get that glory. And you can lead somebody to Christ that way. Let your light shine. Light overspells darkness. Walk in the light at all times. You don't have to tell people you say being saved is not a feeling. All you got to do is just get a relationship with him. And the more you cling to the things of God, the more you get a relationship with him. And the more you will die to your flesh. And the only way you're going to do that, you got to stay in the word. Oh, so I don't have to let none of my friends know because, you know, I work with some guys back on the job. And they don't know I'm doing this. I never even told them this, you know. Well, by me getting saved here tonight, I don't have to go back and tell them that I got saved or anything. If you led by the Holy Spirit to let someone know that you get saved, that's all right. There's nothing wrong with telling people that you're saved because that's a glorious thing. That's that's an honor to being saved, being connected with the Father, with your brother in Christ, you know. But let your light speak for you. When they start seeing Willie don't participate in all that foolish mess no more you don't go out to the club you don't drink no more they see you setting yourself apart reading your bible they'll know there's a change in willie something's going on with willie let me ask willie what's going on and that'll be your time to get him your testimony to tell him about the goodness of jesus and tell him all that god has done for you how he brought you out how he raised you up that you are a man of valor you know but tongues is very, very important. You need to speak in tongues because that builds yourself up. That's the language between you and God. And always remember, your spirit is saved, but your flesh is not saved. You got to feed your flesh the word of God. Just like you eat food, you got to feed your flesh the word of God daily. Take it like your daily bread. You eat three times a day, read that word three times a day. Fast. Something that you want to get rid of fast and ask God to come in and help you. And the Holy Spirit, as you get into word and read the Bible, the Holy Spirit will bring things back to your remembrance to help you through whatever you're going through. Well, look, uh, before I forget what I want to ask you, uh, when you said the part about, you know, that people uh, see, you know, I'm not hanging out at the club, I'm not drinking, smoking, and doing all this other stuff. I, you know, I never did that, so... I was using that for an example. Mm-hmm. Right. So, I'm saying you were using it for an example. Now, like I said, I, I never did that. So, well, well, did you I do never, this? Well, what, what, did you sleep with a lot of women? Did you have a lot of women? Did you play women? Did you do that? That's fun of Kate. Because you, you're not married, are you? Are you married? No. Well, if you've been sleeping with a lot of women... You've been playing a lot of women. You look like a player anyway. That's fornication. So, did I hit you there? 
<laughs> so do you understand now? There's no big sin, there's no little sin. Sin is sin in God's eyesight. I can't sit up here and tell you not to fornicate if I'm over here lying. I can't sit up here and tell you not to overeat if I'm sitting up here committing adultery. Sin is sin in God's eyesight. That's it. It's sin is sin. I can't tell you to do something that I'm not doing myself. So when I open up my mouth and I speak to you, I got to be doing the things that I'm talking to you about. Oh, you sound like you for real. I am for real. I've seen, uh, I've seen a lot of people, you know, claiming salvation, but nobody never told me or explained it to me the way that you explained it to me. You know, I see them telling me one thing, but they was out doing another thing. Those are called hypocrites. They are, those are carnal-minded people. They got one foot in and one foot out. One foot out. God says you can't be, you can't be in between. You either gonna be for Him or you either gonna be for the devil. So you choose this day what road you're gonna walk down. Road to the right, road to the left, or you keep straight ahead. I advise you to go straight ahead, run towards Jesus with everything you got. Okay, I got one more thing for you. Uh, I'm gonna need somebody to kind of. You know, help me with the Bible, you know. Okay. Reading the Bible and stuff like that. So it sounds like to me that I don't need to have no contact with no woman or anything like that. But that wouldn't be good, right? No, it wouldn't be good. And what I'm going to do is there are two things you can do. I'm going to sit you up with one of our brothers in church. One of our men of valor in church that can help you. And you need to come to Bible study, which is Clem, C-L-I-M, Christ lives in me. Now Christ lives in you because you believed in your heart that Jesus rose and you believed in your heart that he died for all of your sins. So now you are saved. And like I told you, saved is not a feeling, but I'm going to hook you up with one of the brothers at church and come to Clem every Tuesday night at 7 o'clock and you will get what you need. But remember, put him first in everything that you do. I will do that. And uh, I, I do want to be held accountable. So the guy that you're going to set me up with... Uh, i get you his name and number after I discuss it with him, okay? Okay, I'm going to turn you back over to my pastor. So we just want to welcome you to Miracle Temple Deliverance Ministries. Welcome. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you, sister. God bless you. Amen. I want to say this. If all of us in the body of Christ would take these teachings in, it wouldn't be so hard on the pastor or someone else, when you can introduce them to all of this, so when they come into the church, they're ready to accept what we already have. That's how it's supposed to work, y'all. It does not supposed to be all on the pastor. Everything's supposed to already be done, so that way when they come in, they're already ready to receive the teaching that's offered to them. Um, have everybody got a good understanding on membership and how it's supposed to be? Because some people think that um, people are trying to control them. This is not about control. It's not about a cult. Anytime that you are part of the body of Christ or you are part of anything, you have to have accountability. So my problem is people feel like they can be accountable to everybody or everything except the body of Christ. 
They feel like people are trying to control them. They feel like that um, you put me in bondage. It, this is what the word says. Every joint supply, if your finger hurts, the rest of your body is going to hurt because you're going to feel that pain, right? So if all of us have something to do in the body of Christ and one part of that body is not here, guess what? It's going to hurt the other part of that body. So whatever you have committed to, and you break that commitment and you saying, oh, well, I'm just not coming. I'm, I'm just not feeling up to coming. They can just go on without me. But if you're the part of the body that carries that, then you're going to be missing out of that body. This is why we have to, too, have a lot of people that deal. I use Renee, their team, dealing with special events. With special events is dealing with help. Remember we went over that? How a person have a given heart. They're willing to help. So let's say Renee, she's the leader. Julia's the co-leader. And let's say that Renee cannot be here. Guess what? Julia and Renee work together. So Julia is going to cover what Renee could not cover. This is why you come together when you're not going to be here. You just don't just not be here. You have a responsibility, and you're going to make sure that everybody is on one accord so nothing would be missing and nothing would be broken. Why did Jesus send two disciples out instead of one? Because each one was helping each other. So we have to understand how God's pattern works so we can come together and fulfill what God has called us to do. We need to stop thinking that um, the body of Christ is not important. Or the church is not important. And putting other things before the church. We should not do that. Because when you got the love of God in you. Then you're saying. You know it should bother you. It should really bother you. When you knowing that you had a part to play. And you're not showing up to do that part. Because it does affect the rest of the body. Or you drop out. And just leave. And then that spot is left vacant. So the rest of them have to come together and try to fulfill where that person left off. And guess what happened? It ended up with stagnation. And then you have to start all over again to build up to this is why every joint supplies. Amen. So remember, it is very important for commitment, for fellowship, for submission, for accountability. We're here to encourage people when they say, you know, girl, I don't think I'm coming tonight. I, I, it's okay. I'm not coming tonight. And let's say sister Mary say, well, you know, this is the time that you should be coming. Cause you don't never know what God want to do. Um, tonight, it could be something that you need on tonight. And, and sister Mary start praying over, over that individual and say, you know what? Let's pray. Let's believe God on tonight. And then the person come and, and immediately when they come in the house, God call them forth and, and tell them what they need to know. So this is how we encourage one another to come to Clem, to come um, to Sunday service. Why? Because we're fellowshipping. We're helping each other. We're building each other up. And the more you come, the more you want to come. When you start sitting out one time, you end up sitting out more times. You get more lazy. You get lazier and lazier and say, well, you know, I don't need to come. You find something else to occupy that time and saying you don't need to be here. So membership is very important. And when you learn about it, then you can understand why some things go on and people don't have to talk about somebody's trying to control me because that is not the situation up in here. We lining up with what the word says. So tonight, 
Everybody okay with the membership, with the discipline that we have went over? Everybody have an understanding? Okay, we're going to go move a little bit further. Um, the Lord put on my heart to teach on stewardship tonight, to teach on stewardship. Let's talk about what a steward is. What is stewardship? And here's the definition. It's a believer who manages what God has given into his care, into their care. A believer who manages what God has given into their care. That's what stewardship is. And I'm going to break down even um, stewardship even the more so we can understand how it operates. The first thing that we have to understand in the body of Christ is God owns everything. I want y'all to remember that one. God owns everything. Did you not know nothing belonged to you? Did you not know you come into this world naked and naked you're going to leave this world? Let's just stop and think about that. God owns everything. God owns everything. He is Elohim. He is the creator. He created everything. We didn't create it. We didn't even create ourselves. God created it. That's why they call him Elohim. And if we get this deep down on the inside of us to know that God owns everything, we, won't, we would not try to take control over things in our lives, over possessions, over each other. Did y'all not know we don't even supposed to be trying to rule each other in, in a way that God did not set up for it to be? So when we know that God owns everything, then we won't have a problem giving up what we have. Oh, isn't that awesome? When you know God owns everything, you won't have a problem giving what you have. If we have a problem giving what we have, we have not recognized that God is the owner of everything. When we look in Genesis 1, we know what the word says. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Who did that? God, Elohim. God did that. Did we do it? Did we do it? Did any man do it? Who did it? Say, God owns everything. Here go another scripture, Psalms 24.1. We're used to this one. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. I'm going to read it again. Psalms 24.1. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. Okay, who owned the earth? And he owns all, everything, the world and they that dwell therein. So God is what? He's the one that created everything. He's Elohim. He owns everything. I'm going to give you two more scriptures. Psalms 50, 12. This is what God was saying to them. If I were hungry, I would not tell thee. For the world is mine in the fullness thereof. Isn't that something? He said, if I were hungry, I would not tell thee, for the world is mine in the fullness thereof. Psalms 50, 12. So God owns what? God owns what? Now let's look at Psalms 89, 11. Psalms 89, 11. The heavens are yours. The earth also is yours. The world and all that is in it, you have founded them. So who owns everything? Who owns everything? Who owns everything? Who owns everything? 
this is why we should say, if it had not been for the Lord that was on my side, we have to say this, where would I be? If it had not been for the Lord, I wouldn't have what I have. It's nothing that I have done. It's what the Lord has already done for me. The reason I have what I have. Look at your neighbor again. Say, God owns everything. If you get that first principle of God owning everything and getting to know the God that owns everything, you won't have a problem with things that's going on in your life because you know who owns it, right? You're not looking to man. Who are you looking to? The owner. You're looking to God. And I think that's our problem. We look at man like man's supposed to do something for us, but we are kingdom. So we're going to bring the kingdom down here to earth because we know who owns everything. So that's why we seek ye first the kingdom and his righteousness, his way of doing things. It didn't say all of these things shall be added unto us because God owns everything. First principle, God owns everything. He's Elohim. Number two, God made man manager. Now, look how God created the heavens and the earth. He created the animals. He created everything. And after he created it, God created man, male and female, to manage what he created. Y'all, we're special people. God created everything. Everything you see, God created it. But God said, now I need somebody to manage. That's a steward over the things that I have created. And that's where you get Genesis 1, 27 through 28 or 26 through 28. When he said that he gave dominion unto man. He gave us dominion. He said, I want you to subdue the earth. He said, I want you to bring the earth in subjection up under your dominion, up under your rule. I'm giving you what I created to manage. Don't, isn't that good? So he said, everything I created. He said, the things that crawl upon the earth, the earth. I'm giving it to you to manage on my behalf. This is a uh, problem that we have. It is God's. It is not ours. God just turned it over to us to manage it, but it belongs to God. But he said, I'm going to turn the earth over to you. He said, because the heavens is mine, the heavens and the heavens are mine, but the earth I'm going to give to the children of men, according to Psalms 115. He said, I'm giving you this to manage on my behalf. He said, but you're not going to be a good manager unless you get to know the creator. See, you got to get to know him in order to know how to manage what God has given you. And the only way you're going to know how to do this is through the helper, which is the Holy Spirit, which he used the word of God to give you what you need to manage what God, y'all is so good, what God has put in your hands. If you look at how businesses are set up, CEO, CFO, and then you have the director, then you have the supervisors, and you may call somebody else up under the supervisor, but you have positions. And people have to go through that rank 
in order to carry out what need to be carried out. You just don't walk in on a job and think you're going to do what you need to do. They have to train you. They have to let you know about how that business operate and what part you play in that business. So you got to play the part that they have hired you to play. You can't go over here and get in somebody else's business because when y'all come together, guess what? It's going to make up that plant, that body, or that business. So this is what we do in the body of Christ. God is the owner. He has turned over, um, turned over what he created for us to manage. It, and you could be an administrator too. It, um, so we manage what God has created. Guess what? It is God's creation. It is not ours. He just turned it over to us to manage it, and we got to know how to manage it, and we manage it through the word of God. And then if we don't, if we're not for sure, we have a helper, which is the Holy Spirit. See, God set it up. He said, you know what? Even though you got the word, you got to get some revelation from that word to know how to carry out what I have given you to manage. I just don't put nothing in your hand unless I know that you're ready to carry it out. You have to be trained first. So we know that he created us to manage to be an administrator over what he has created. Now, when we look at, let's look at 1 Corinthians 3, 9. 1 Corinthians 3, 9. I like what Paul said here. And I'm reading out the expanded Bible. We are God's workers working together. I'm going to say it again. We are God's workers working together, co-working, belonging to God, co-workers in God's service. You are God's farm, his field, God's building. Who do we belong to? And we're working for who? So we're co-laborers belonging to God. So God is saying, I'm giving you what I have created to manage for me. That's what a steward is. A steward manage over what's put in his hand. He's the administrator over what's put in his hand. And I'm going to use Sister Denise for an example. Where she worked at um, House of Rayford. She has stuff put into her hand to manage. But in order for her to manage what was put into her hand, she has to know about what was put into her hands. She has to go through those procedures of that plant, knowing how that plant run, knowing that if something happened in that plant, what should take place. She can't go but so far in her department. Is that correct, Sister Denise? But when I look at Joe Clark over here, he's Mr. Inspector, right? That's what you call yourself. A, a QA. He's making sure when he go in these departments, what do you do? You make sure what now? Everybody doing what they're supposed to be doing. So if Sister Denise is out of check, then what are you going to do? You're going to say something to her, right? Because he coming in and checking to make sure she's following what she's supposed to be following. Guess what? Everything is being managed because it's coming from the top. And everything have to be in place and it have to be done accordingly. So if Josie, her department is not doing what they supposed to be doing, what happens? He tag her. And once he tag her, what happens? Okay, so that shuts you down. 
That's what's happening in the body of Christ. When one joint is out of place, it shuts the other parts down. Because that one member is out of place. What do I mean out of place? I'll use it for an example with Sister Denise and Joe Clark. If Sister, if Joe come to Sister Denise and tell her this is wrong, and Sister Denise is shaking her head like, okay, okay, but she still do what she don't supposed to do, then it's messing up the rest of the plan, right? So when somebody come in and check behind you, and she didn't do what you're supposed to do, what happens? You in trouble. But who else in trouble? It stops what? What is production? The whole plant shuts down because she wouldn't listen. This is what happens in the body of Christ. When you don't listen, when you are a leader, when God gave you something, put something in your hand to manage, but you're saying, I want to do something else. (laughs) Oh, we're going to get to that part. So everybody understand that we're stewards over what God has given us, right? God has placed things in our hands to manage. Guess what? It ain't up to you to say how it's supposed to be done. You go by what the words say. Because it will not work effectually if you go outside the word. And this is the problem. People are doing things outside of the word and think God is going to put his anointing on it. It don't work like that. Because whatever God put in your hands, he gives you the ability To handle what he has given you. He's not going to give nobody anything that he know they cannot handle. Because it's going to mess up the rest of the body. It's too many people trying to room somewhere that God ain't giving you an anointing to room. He's not going to give you that ability because he know you're not ready for that. Some people say they expose the pastor. God say, no, you don't. I don't want a novice. Because a novice will mess up the body of Christ. That novice is a young person think that's not skilled. They can be 50 years old and still be a novice. Why? Because they unlearned. They don't go into the word of God. They don't know what the word of God is saying. But they're putting things in the church that God did not say. Because they think they know everything. They're full of pride. That's a novice. Don't mean that they have to be so, so young. Because Jesus was young. But God raised him up. And when it was his time to go out, he had to meet those requirements in order for God to give him what he was giving him, y'all. So don't rush your ministry. Don't rush things because it sounds good and it feels good because somebody's in your face and saying, you know the word. Why you ain't doing this and why you ain't doing that? You need to look at them and say, why you ain't doing nothing? You asking me why you ain't doing nothing? Why you all up in my face? Why you all up in my business, as my granddaughter say? What you want? What you want? So look, we see that God is the man. He's the um, owner, and he's put it in our hands, right? So let's go a little bit deeper. Let's. We got to recognize what God has put in our hands. We got to recognize our stewardship. 
meaning that you are a steward, you are a manager, you are an administrator of what God has placed in your hands. So let's talk about some things that God has placed in our hands. One thing is, did y'all know he has placed the gospel of the kingdom in our hands? God has placed that in our hands. Some people are waiting for the evangelists to go out there and minister the gospel of the kingdom, the good news. But God has put all of this and put the gospel in all of our hands. Once you're born again, once you have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're born again. You're born from above. You get water baptized. You come up. Um, as a new creation in Christ Jesus. And then you get the power of God from on high to be an effectual witness. But after you get all of that, you still have to be taught. You still have to be trained to be a disciple. So you have to get up under some teaching so you can be trained to be a, a um, disciple, a follower of Jesus Christ. And then after all of that, when you're ready to go out, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 9.17, I want to tell you what Paul said. And I love this right here, dealing with Paul. So all of us have to recognize their stewardship when it comes to the gospel. God has put this gospel in our hands. We are stewards of the gospel. We are um, administrators of the gospel. We are ambassadors. Amen. So in 1 Corinthians 9.17, the expanded Bible, it says, If I preach because it's my own choice, voluntarily I have a reward. But if I preach and it's not my choice to do so without volunteering, I'm only doing the duty that was given to me and trusted with a stewardship, a responsibility. So God has given us a responsibility. He has given us stewardship when it comes to the gospel of the kingdom. He has put this commission in your hand. He said, I'm turning this over to you and I want you to go out and proclaim. I want you to preach this good news that was taught unto you. Now I can put it in your hands. What am I saying? Some people are going out trying to minister salvation and don't even know what it is. Some people are going out trying to get people born again, trying to get them saved, trying to get them healed, trying to get them delivered, and don't even have the power of God from on high because you've never been taught those things. So God is not going to put this gospel in your hand when you are unlearned because people need to be healed, delivered, and set free. They need to know that salvation is everything, not just being born again. You got half-breeds out here ministering salvation and thinking they're doing something, but they're leaving out what need to be done and what need to be said because they are unlearned. This gospel, the good news of the kingdom, you have to be trained in order to go out to deliver it, and God is entrusting it in your hand. Have y'all ever thought about that? You being entrusted with the gospel of the kingdom. You're stewards, you're managers. God said, here, now it's time for you to go out. Go back in the word of God when they followed him for three years. When Jesus went to be with the father, he go to great commission, Matthew 28, 19 through 20. So go and make followers, disciples of all people in the world, the nations. Did he send them out unlearned? Did he send them out unlearned? 
He said, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And listen at verse 20. Teach them to obey everything I have taught you. Why would Jesus send people out to minister the good news, the gospel of the kingdom, and they haven't been taught? It's people going out that have not been taught, that don't even know what discipleship means. And they're going out trying to get people saved and don't even know what it means. That's not how it works. So he said, I want you to teach them to obey everything that I have taught, commanded you, and I will be with you always, even until the end of this age, the world time. So we've been entrusted. He has put the gospel of the kingdom in our hands. Paul recognized that. Paul recognized what God entrusted him with. What God wanted him to go out and do. So remember, God is the owner. He owns everything. Whatever God owns, God has placed it in our hands to manage, to be a steward over what he has created. Everybody got that part? And one thing that God has put in our hands is for us to go out under this great commission and preach the gospel of the kingdom. But do you know what some people tell people? You can't do it until you're a minister. That's out of order. Once you're saved, once you're born again, once you are have the baptism of the Holy Ghost come upon you, the power of God, you can be an effectual witness wherever you go. Once you're taught the word of God, this is why it's Bible studies are set up. Clem schools are set up. Um, church services on Sunday is your training. It's getting you where you need to be so you can go out and you can minister to others. God is entrusting you with that. That's why he say, now go. He didn't say sit home once you get all this information. How about on your job? Once they train you, don't they turn you loose? Do they tell you, no, you just sit there and be pretty and handsome and I'm going to still pay you? No, they want you to start working based on what you have learned. Some people are trained people. How long do people normally get trained on jobs? Anybody? Okay. Deacon Rick said 90 days. Somebody else? Six weeks? Two weeks? How long? A week? You know why it's probably a week? Because what they're teaching them, they probably know that you should have it in a week. Because of what you do, it should take a week. So every job is based on all the information. What about you, Calvin? About a month. See, every job is different. So let's say after that month, Calvin, they done got that training, and you've been observing them and watching them, and they come to you and they say, Calvin, are they ready for this? And you say, yes, they're ready. So you turn them loose, and the next thing you know, they don't know left from right. Who's going to get it? They're going to come back at him. See, this is why we want to make sure everybody is... And see, people really get mad at you. Because the y'all know that what you're being entrusted with is going to heal, deliver, set the captives free. It's going to save people from danger. Do you know how important the gospel of the kingdom is to a dying world? It's up to you to get this message out so people don't have to die. They can live. The world is dying and yet they're still breathing and think they have life. But you are the carriers of life. 
And God said, I'm giving it to you. I'm training you. But yet you sitting down on it and you seeing people that ain't saved and you laughing and cutting a fool with them. Oh, we get to that part. I'm going to move on. I don't want to get ahead of myself. This is what a steward is. And some people wonder why they're still sitting still and ain't, ain't not really doing nothing. Because some of us got a don't care attitude. Everybody in here should have the heart of God that you saying, I don't want nobody lost. Some of us sit with people and we hear them talk foolishness and we know where their destination is and we won't say nothing. Because we're scared we're going to mess up. It ain't about you. It's about the Holy Spirit, that inner witness that's on the inside of you saying, open your mouth and I'll speak for you. No, 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 I can't talk to that one like that. Okay, so you want them to die. Because you're looking at more of how you're going to look than what God entrusted you with. And you've been sitting getting the training, but now it's time for you to speak forth what you have and you won't do it because of who it is. God has entrusted you. He's given you this gospel. And he wants you to go out. He wants you to give it to the dying world. What are the other things God has entrusted us with? They go to gospel. He's also entrusted you with talents. Y'all know in Matthew 25. Matthew 25, verse 14 through 30. I'm reading out the expanded version again. These talents are like money that God has entrusted with. It says in 14, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who was going to another place for a visit on a journey and trip. Is that not Jesus? Before he left, he called for his servants and told them to take care of his things while he was gone. Did y'all feel that in the pit of your stomach? And trusted his possessions, his wealth to them. He gave one servant five bags of gold. Another servant, two bags of gold and a third servant, one bag of gold to each one as much as he could handle. Do y'all hear that? God ain't going to give you no more than what you can handle. He said, according to his ability, see where the church mess up at is when you see a person doing more than you, you get mad. You get a little attitude. If God can entrust you with one thing, you think he's going to give you two, three, four? No, he's not. So then he said to each one as much as he could handle. Then he left. The servant who got five bags, the talents, went quickly to invest the money and traded with them and put the money to work and earned, gained five more. In the same way, the servant who had two invested, and then y'all know he earned two more. But there was a servant who got one, went out and dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. After a long time, the master came home. We're going to have to stand in front of Jesus with what he has put in our hands. This ministry that God has put in my hands, I got to stand before him and give an account to what I have done with what he has given me. It ain't going to be on you. It's going to be on me. So I can't say it's because Miss Deborah didn't do like Miss Deborah supposed to been doing. It's on me. And the servant who have given five bags of gold bought five more bags. The master 
um, it says, the master answered, you did well. You are a good and loyal and faithful servant because you were loyal and faithful with small, a few things. I will let you care for, put you in charge of much greater, many things. Come and share my joy with me. Enter into the joy of your master. Same thing with the second servant, the one that had two um, bags of gold. Guess what? He did the same thing. He gained more. And God said the same thing to me. Both of them were faithful. Both of them was loyal. It ain't about the amount that he gave them. They did what God told them to do with that amount. It ain't about if you carry one gift and another person carry two. Whatever he has given you, he wants you to stand before him and give an account to that one thing that he told you to do. And both of them got to enter into the joy of the Lord. It wasn't no pick and choose. He said, whatever I give you to do, I want you to carry it out. I don't want you in Julia's business. I don't want you in Sister Deborah's business. I done gave them what I want them to do. I want you to do what I told you to do. But then it was one that only had one thing, one bag. He put it in a hole. And the Bible says that he told the master the reason why he put it in the hole was because he knew how his master was. He didn't know him because he figured one bag ain't going to hurt you. So I just saved it for you. You didn't still didn't lose nothing. That's what he told the master. You didn't lose anything because you a hard man anyway. But guess what happened? He called him a wicked, lazy servant. You were only thinking about yourself. Because whatever I have put in your hands, you supposed to have done something with what I had given you. And you didn't. So he said, send him to the tormentors. Why? Because it wasn't about nobody but that person. He was thinking about nobody but himself. What is God saying in this? When I entrust you with something, you're supposed to carry it out. It's not dependent on what you think or how you feel or how you think that it should be done. Because it's going to be done according to my will, my word. Don't be like that slowful, wicked, lazy person when God is entrusting you with something and you sitting home on it because you're tired. Because you don't have time to open your Bible and read the word, but you got time to go to work. You got time when your boss called you and you laying there tired and you missing Clem school and they say, I need for you to come in. I'll be there. Look at your neighbor and say, speak, Lord. We, want, we only want the important jobs. We want the important jobs. We, we, Erica, nobody don't want to stand at the door. They ain't important enough. Nobody want to put a bottle of water up here. They ain't important enough. I want to be seen. So you know what? Hey, she ain't going to miss no water. Nobody going to miss nobody at the door. I want to get up here and preach. I want to sing a little bit so somebody can see me. But that's not what God told you to do. He's entrusting you. And if you can't be faithful over that one thing that he have entrusted you, why are you begging him to preach? And you can't even go out and minister what you're learning. But now you're a pastor. Help me, somebody. You're a pastor. You're the best singer in the world. But you can't even go out on the commission. 
You can't even stop eating at McDonald's to say, Holy Spirit, who's in here today that don't know you as Lord? Can't put down the Big Mac for that. I'm hungry. But now you go back in the church and say, when I'm going to get my time? I've been there 20 years. 20 years wasted. Because it's all about what you want. And not what God entrusted you to do. Because that ain't good enough. Nobody is seeing me and what I'm doing. It ain't about what people see. It's what, what God see and what he's put in your hand to manage. He want us to be faithful over what we have. I remember when I was working at, at Wilson's and I was um, started out as a cashier. And every time they asked me to come in, I would be faithful. I would get up even before um, the sun would come up. I would have to be there at 5 or 5.30 in the morning to get everything prepared for the store to open. And when they would call me in there early, I would go in early. And I just started, and I was willing to learn. If they wanted me to stay over late, I would stay over late. Was I doing it for brownie points? No. It's because I was raised to be a hard worker. I was raised to be committed to whatever was put in my hands. It didn't matter if nobody else wanted to do it. Granddaddy always took us in the field. He got you up early. If you didn't get out of that bed, he would dump cold water on you. He telling you, you better get out there and you better pick them beans before that sun come up. Because once that sun beat down on your head, don't be whining and complaining. Grandmama would call the man who drove the blueberry bus and say, Mr. King, come pick up these two girls. They need to be in the blueberry field. And she told us before we left, if you don't bring 22 trays back here. So we knew what we had to do. And we were hard workers because that's how we was raised. Canning tomatoes, picking beans. While some kids was in the house, we were out there in the field. I remember when I was dating my husband, they were over there playing um, basketball. Granddaddy holler, come here. He out there in the field. I'm like, dang. So I had to go in the field with granddaddy. Some things that I wanted to do, I couldn't do. And I did get mad because I was like, this is not right. This is not right. I need to have some fun sometime. And daddy would come over there while granddaddy was showing us how to can the tomatoes and say, now, daddy, now you know it's too hot for all this. Because back there you didn't have no air conditioning. You just had the heat from the stove and stuff. You sweating. Remember Miss Mary? So daddy, he say, don't say nothing. I know what I'm doing. He said, don't say nothing. I know what I'm doing. So then when it was time for us to get our license and stuff, and granddaddy said, I got a car for you. I said, all right, granddaddy. He said, but you got to fix the water pump and something else. So you got to go in that blueberry field and fix this car. Daddy said, well, you ain't letting nobody. He said, don't say nothing. So we had to work for what we had to get. It wasn't no waiting on daddy or waiting on granddaddy to give us nothing. He showed us how to work. And let me tell you something. Being faithful like that, when I got my first job, I didn't worry about them treating me this kind of way and I was ready to quit because I was used to it. So did my feelings get hurt? Yes, but I knew I needed a job. So I stayed on that job. This girl trained me that was there three years before I was. So after she trained me, I believe I was on that job three months, six months. The manager called me up in the office and he said, don't you say nothing. I want to make you head cashier. That means that you're going to be accountable for all this money that come in this store. I said, what? He said, all this money that come in this store, you're going to be accountable for this. 
So I said, okay. So finally, when he made the announcement, that girl was fireheart mad. She said, how in the world did she come in here? And I've been here for three years and you put her over me. Won't God do it? You know why? Because God couldn't trust me. I didn't give up when it was too hot. I didn't give up when people didn't like me, y'all. I didn't give up when it didn't look like I was going to make it. And back then I was making $3 and something. But I still work hard. Then another position come open at the hospital. And I already got up to $4.62, y'all. I was rich. And my cousin told me, you don't need to come here. It's too much out here to do. They don't want to pay you nothing. They ain't going to give you nothing but $3 and something. But I felt on the inside I needed to take it. So I left a job with more money and went down and dropped to less money. Didn't understand it myself. But when I got out there, they had one room, a square room, and it was the files was from the floor to the ceiling. They couldn't get them filed. When I started out there the first week, the whole room was empty. The CEO of the hospital back then came to my supervisor and told her, he come to my supervisor, he said, the first position that come open in this office, I want her in it. Did I do it to get another position? No, I done it because I saw that it needed to be done. And not only filing those files, I was the cashier, so I had to leave the files and wait on the people at the front desk. But it still got done. What was God doing? He said, baby, you faithful over a few things. I'm going to make you rule over many. So he took me from that. Then he put me in the skilled nursing unit. I was over all the people on the second floor, managing all their money, taking care of all their bills, handling all that stuff for them. It got so that I knew so much about those people that when the accountants come in, came in, the CFO that was um, under the CEO when there was a problem with the account, she said, go to Amanda. She don't even have to go back through the book. She can tell you what's wrong with it. How did I know? Because I took pride in what I did. Everything that was put in my hands, I made sure that I was managing it well, not to just get brownie points, because I knew that I wanted somebody to treat me the same way. Then a supervisor position come open to be over the business office. I put in for the supervisor position, and guess what? I got that position. Then the CEO, they changed him. The other one left. He came in, and he said, how about if I leave you in this position and give you a big raise? He said, I'm not going to move you. He said, when the CFO come, if she want to move you, that's when you'll get moved. The CFO came in. She told him, she said, I'm changing her from supervisor to director up her pay. Why did all of this happen? Because I was faithful over a few. This is how the kingdom's supposed to operate. When you're faithful with what God gives you, you're not whining because you think you're one of the least. You're giving God glory because whatever you find your hands to do, you're doing it unto the Lord. So whatever part you play, you got to get before the Lord in prayer. And you got to say, God, I'm managing what you put in my hands. I don't want to just sing anything. I want to sing to the glory of the Lord. I don't want to present just any kind of way. I want to present because you're the one that's getting the glory. 
tonight. If I can't pray, if I can't develop my relationship with you, I don't want to go in front of the people and just sing because I can sing. I want to sing with an anointing. I want to sing where people know I've been with you. I want people to get healed from me just opening my mouth, God. I don't want to just come to practice to say I practice. I want people to know that the presence of the Lord is here. I don't just want to stand at a door, Erica, and just open the door and say, come on in. I want people to know that you're meeting Jesus right at the door. You don't have to wait for Judah. Every position in the house is about him. He put it in your hand to manage. Terry, I just don't want to just go around the grounds just to say I did it. I want to walk around the grounds to let them know this is holy ground. You are protected. Not by me, but by the presence That's a steward. So whatever God put in your hands, you don't just get in a habit of doing it. You're doing it unto him. Because he entrusted you with it. And when you stand before him, you want to hear, well done. Thy good and faithful servant. Enter in to the joy of the Lord. God said, if I put it in your hands, you're the steward. You manage what I have given you, and you do it with joy, not with grief. Y'all know why I last so long in ministry? Because it's about him. It ain't about trying to please y'all. It ain't about nobody saying, oh, you preached a good message. Mm Mm-mm. It's about doing what he told me to do, whether you like it or not. Because he put it in my hands. And whatever he put in your hands, you're going to be held accountable for it. So it's not about people just leaving and, and feeling like, oh, they done left. I might as well give up. Or the money is low. I might as well give up. No, that's the time to rejoice. That's the time to go to God in prayer and say, God, show me what else you want me to do. See, we got to look at ourselves because he made us managers over what we have. Why are people trying to do things and can't even accomplish what God has already given them? If anybody have to keep telling you what to do, you're not a good manager. Because whatever God placed in your hand, you're supposed to be praying about it. You're supposed to be seeking God. Because whatever he entrusted you with, you go into him. My job is to only show you order, to show you how the kingdom run. It is your job to take it and run with it. And all of us will be on one accord. And we'll stop there. Isn't it not good, y'all? Did y'all know what a steward was? Anybody? Could somebody come up here at the close of this teaching and tell me what you thought a steward was? Oh, come, come up, Kim. Tell me what you got out of the teaching, Kim.
What I thought a steward was before the teaching is being a good steward is being faithful over whatever is put in your hands. But after tonight, it's bigger than that. It's like God chose this particular thing for you. And knowing that I'm going to be held accountable once I see him for what he gave me, it weighs heavier than what I thought before. Because I guess in some ways you if you don't put God first in everything, you're going to always walk it out yourself. You're not going to walk it out with him. And tonight, it was just really deep to me on what he wants for us to do for him. And in everything that we do, we're not here sitting for ourselves. Like Pastor says, Sunday, and it stuck out to me that everything we go through is to help someone else. And... Today in the shop, a person was in there. And even over the phone earlier today, I was speaking to someone, and I relate to both of them and what they were going through because I've already been through it. And God wants us to speak out to people to help them. So whatever we're learning in here, we can help someone else. And it's just, it, it was awesome today, Pastor. That was awesome. I mean, the message is always awesome, but it really spoke home to me being a steward and being a steward you will be a good leader in this church for anything that you do outside of the church amen anyone else could anyone tell me what you got out of being a steward over the gospel did anyone know that you are held accountable even for your stewardship when it comes to the gospel of the kingdom is anyone aware of that? Hello? This is why you're getting taught. It's not about us. It's about him. And he wants us to represent him here on this earth. And if we're representing him, we're going to be looked at differently. Because we're not going to do the things the way that the world does it. And everybody in here know, when you out of check, you know when you out of check. When you're watching something you shouldn't be watching, when you're in front of somebody and hearing stuff you shouldn't be hearing, and it's just making, it's just disturbing you, and you just wiggling everywhere, and you know, no, that's not right. When we know these things, we're supposed to answer according to who we are and not according to who we were when we were in the world. Y'all, it get gooder and gooder. And I pray that it helps you in a mighty way. Joe Clark, do you want to share with us what you learned from this teaching? And we're going to close out with you. And I want to tell you this. Mr. Joe Clark, has just became a part, become a part of us here at Miracle Temple. And he already on Facebook proclaiming the good news of Jesus. Wow. Um, uh, stewardship, what I learned tonight. Uh, what did you get out of it? Um, that I am accountable for, oh. 
that I am accountable for for the word of God. Um, uh, what I learned here, you know, uh, it ain't just for me. Uh, as I'm being taught, uh, it's for for me to get someone else. Like, it kind of remind me of uh, by Joseph in the Bible when uh, God delivered him. You know, they, you know, they thought it was going to kill him, whatever, but God saved him, not for just him, but for his whole family. He brought him out of bondage, whatever, for his whole family. So, like, what I'm learning now is, like, you know, for the gospel, not just for me, not for my salvation, but for everybody that's connected to me, everybody I come in their path, you know, I could be able to, you know, uh, give them something that God gave me. Amen. Amen. To God be the glory. I, I just honor God and his goodness, y'all. Because the more I learn, I want to give it to you. We don't suppose a whole, you know what some people do? They may get something and they may feel like, well, I can't share it right now because somebody might take it and run with it and then it comes from me and they taking it from me. It wasn't never yours. It belonged to God. So if I give you something, I'm giving you what God is telling me and you only taking what I'm giving to you and give it to somebody else. It's about his kingdom. It's not about me. Get me off your mind. It ain't about people looking at apostle. It's about them seeing Jesus through apostle and through you. It ain't about us. If you can get me out of your head and, and what I have, then you can go out and share what you're getting in here. It ain't about them coming to you or them coming to me. It's about them coming to Jesus. That's the whole point. It's about them coming to Jesus. So many people are afraid that people are going to snatch people from them. You don't own them people. God owned them people. I had a lady that she called me and she asked me, she's a minister, but she asked me, she said, I need for you to talk to this lady. Now, this lady wasn't even from around here. She said, I, I, I can't say anything else to her, but I know if you talk to her, I told her you would be the best one that could talk to her. How about y'all? When I talked to the lady and the lady said, that was the same thing she said. I say, so you just got your confirmation. So it's up to you now. But the lady could have said, I'm not going to refer her to nobody. I'm going to keep her to myself. This is not how the kingdom works. We don't own nobody. You don't own people. When God tell you it's out of your lead, you can't handle that demon. Turn that demon over to somebody who can. Quit playing with the demon. You're so afraid of losing people, you rather for the person to be demon possessed. Turn them over. But don't call my house if God ain't told you to send them to me. <laughs> Come on, Kathy. We're going to dismiss out the evangelists. So we have the deacons to come up, be ready to come up for our offering. Okay, um, I wanted to um, speak on being a, a steward of the gospel. Um, I realized that I do know what a steward is, and um, I realized my responsibility to um deliver the gospel because I feel like it's a charge or well, I know it's a charge that the Lord has given me. So therefore, regardless of how I feel, I don't go on my feeling. I go on my responsibility. I know it's my responsibility that has been given to me. And I know that it's not, um, based on me. I realize that it is a call 
It is what I was born to do. Um, therefore, I realize that whatever God wants me to do is, is already inside of me and that he's going to back me up. So when I'm out, my husband and I, if God leads me to um, uh, be an evangelist, it's, it's uh, more than just being on the pulpit, and I realize that fully. That's why I, you know, from day to day, whenever God leaves, I don't care where we are. If God, uh, the Holy Spirit say, go minister to that person or that person or that person, it doesn't matter what we're doing. It doesn't matter how I feel because sometimes I may not feel it. And sometimes I might hesitate. But then because I realize that God has entrusted me and he has given me a duty and responsibility, I'll move. I'll, I'll, I'll say almost always. <laughs> and because I know that it's a charge that I have. And I'm responsible for this gospel. Um, like Apostle was talking about, it's, uh, you know, gospel gives life. And if God has given me the responsibility to speak life into someone, who am I not to speak life and let them die? And, and then it's, it, it, it becomes a part of you and in your heart. You can't sit there. Even if you say, I'm not going to move. You have to move. You have to get up. You have to go. And you have to deliver that word, whatever it is, was a, something, one word, a few words, but uh, it's a charge. You know, I, so I realize that it's important. And use whatever means necessary. If you're on Facebook all the time and you've been entrusted to manage the gospel, you got a free outlet. Can I say it again? F-R-E-E. -E. It is free. And while it is free, take advantage of that freedom because we can use that tool to win the loss. Amen? Just one example I shared it a, while, a while ago in Sunday school. I had gone after service here. I had gone into the Family Dollar Store one night, and it was this young guy walking around. And, and um, when, I went up, when I passed him, I felt the Holy Spirit say, minister to him. Now, mind you, you don't never, ever know what God wants you to say. And um, I learned a lot through Apostle Matthew. Just be obedient. Open up your mouth and be obedient. God will give you what to say. But it was so vague and almost like God didn't want me to say anything. But on the deep, on that quiet voice on the inside said, minister to him. So here I am, tired. I'm ready to go home. I'm all about what I wanted to do in, in the natural. So I went on. I, I went on about my business looking for why I went in the store. And then um, I ran into the guy again. Okay, it became stronger. And then I didn't say anything to him, and I went, on, went to the front to check out. I heard him say, I'm hungry, but there's nothing in here that I want. But he said, I'm hungry in the natural, but in the spirit, the Holy Ghost had let me hear that he's hungry spiritually. So um, it's, it's not a... You know, it bothered me. So I went, I left, oh, I was going home. So I got, I said, Rick, I got to go back in the store. So when I went back in the store, I didn't see the guy, and I went walking through the store, I ran right straight into him. And I began to minister the gospel of Jesus Christ to him. And he said, can I hug you? He hugged, I said, sure, I love to hug. And I, um, so he hugged me, he was so grateful. He was teary. He said, I know God had you to tell me this he said because I'm about to die he said I was diagnosed with cancer he said I'm about to die so uh, he was about what 
17 and 18, I believe, and um, uh, prayed for a healing for him and encouraged him. He lived for about, what, three years? Because he said he about to die immediately. The doctor, he gave him a diagnosis. He was supposed to just soon. But anyway, he lived for like three years, and then he ended up having a leg amputated, and then he passed away. But suppose I was not obedient to God because I was all about how I felt and what I thought. Amen. 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 That's what. Come on, Sister Nice. I was sitting there, but the Holy Spirit kept unctioning me and unctioning me and unctioning me. I didn't want to hold nobody up, but it's not about who I want to hold up. It's about what the Holy Spirit want me to say. Um, when I first came to Miracle Temple, um, I felt like that I wasn't good enough to do anything in the kingdom of God. Because I felt like all the things I had done in my past... But then I had to find out who I was in Christ and how much God loves me, and I was the apple of his eye. Then I started out with food service with Kim, and it was so honored for me to work in the church because that was something I thought that I would never do. And tonight, everything just hit me because I was taking that stuff for granted. And when God puts you steward over something, you're supposed to give him your best. You're supposed to honor it. And then from there, I went to uh, hardcore. Then it's like God was just raising me up and building me up. And we as leaders and co-leaders in the church, when God lets Pastor know who to put in charge of things, that's just, it's an honor. We shouldn't take that for granted. And at one point, period of time, I, I was taking it for granted. But tonight, it just hit me how God will take you from here and move you to here, then move you to here. And then, you know, even sometimes, you know, we might take for granted us armor girls just by being her armor girl. That's an honor. We should look at that as being an honor. Wherever she have to go, it's an honor. You know, that's why God has put in my heart for me to fix her bag, have her bag ready. She don't like for people to move her stuff from the pulpit or told her stuff. But God has shown me that, you know, it's an honor to do that because he's put us over that. He's put me in charge of that, you know. And sometimes we might think it's nothing. You might think it's nothing, Jamie, just for you to come up here and put this water up there. But that's an honor. It's, it's, it shows humility. It shows uh, being accountable. It shows you're committed to whatever God has put in your hands. And tonight, all of that just really, truly hit me that sometimes I take little things for granted. And we shouldn't be like that. You know, we should always, it's like on my job, you know, anything they do me to do, I do it. And they give it to me to do it because... They know I'm equipped to do it, and I'm going to do my very best at getting it done and keeping it done. Okay, that's not me doing it. That's God that's inside of me using me as a vessel. He gets the glory out of that, not me. So in church, he's getting the glory of what I do in church, of what we do in church. We shouldn't take nothing for granted. Even walking by seeing a piece of paper on the floor, pick it up. That's good stewardship. You taking care of your house. You tending to God's business. 
And it just really hit home to me tonight. And I want to apologize because sometimes I do take some of my stuff that I do for you and for church for granted. And I just could not sit there because it kept just digging at me. And I am sorry. And I ask God to forgive me because we all take stuff for granted. Just because we do this or do that, you know, that we think it's nothing big. Just because we're not being up in the pulpit preaching or out front singing or anything. All of us, God needs all of us in the body of Christ. No matter what we do, every joint supplies to give him the glory to God. He gets the glory, not us. That's why we need to be in Clem so we can be taught. Amen? So are we ready, deacons? Althea. 